Welcome to The Event Brew, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Welcome back to another episode of Event Brew. I am here with two of the brew crewers. We have Nick Borelli with All Seated, and we have Will Curran with Endless Events. My name is Tui Deep, and just deja vu from 2020, I am free agent as of today. Just announced it. I mean, it depends on when they're listening to this, too. Like, they might, like, be, like, if they skipped, like, all of 2021, 2022, <laughs> then they're, like, yeah. oh, she's just been free agent this whole entire time. Oh, my gosh. No, no, no. It is Monday, August 8th as we're recording this. And so let's see here. Well, first things first, everyone's favorite part of the <laughs> only reason they watch this show. Oh, only show. only reason. Okay. Well, what are you what are you drinking? Um, well, you guys all made fun of me, I think, last episode uh, for doing something super creative. So I said I would go back to my normal chai routine. So I'm drinking David Rio chai with some Oatly brand oat milk. Fun fact, by the way, Oatly had a recall on barista blend oat milk, um, which I randomly How found did they not know feed. about this? No. Well, well, apparently... <laughs> I think the only reason I found out about it is because I have like Oatly as a keyword like on my my Feedly, kind of like you do the Google alerts, and I got alerted of it. But it was like for only like a couple weeks of distribution, and I was sad that I didn't have it. So no free oat milk for me. But good news, no food poisoning for me. Yeah, that's good. I, mean, I got a whole great. food notification. <laughs> Wait, Nick, are you confused? <laughs> I, I, why are you? Why are you keeping tabs on the them at that level? Uh, I guess fold up, uh, full disclosure. I put money into Oatly. Ah, after I discovered, it, I was like, "Oh, this is legit." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, now I understand." Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get curious what they have going on to know, you know, how much less value can that stock be worth when I bought it at like twenty dollars a share and now it's worth like yeah. a dollar. <laughs> no. I'm a yeah, big fan, my, so I don't watch the news, but I'm sure all my my uh, my stocks in GIF are going to be doing great. So I, I don't. I don't... <laughs> That's the only recall that affected my family. Uh, it was like I'm like I guess I have to try Peter Pan peanut butter at this late. Skippy, life? dude. Skippy. It's terrible yeah. for you, Skippy. Oh. It's not worse or better than Jif. I mean, they're all or GIF. It depends on how you say it, right? Definitely Jif. That's Jif. The peanut butter is Jif. Yeah. The peanut butter is Jif for sure. <laughs> Nick, what are you drinking over there? Just green stuff, man. Just just into this green lifestyle. You know, I've got uh, Mountain Dew Zero. I've got Diet Mountain Dew. Oh. Got, uh, the way you're like, uh, it's all about the green stuff, man. I was like, oh, man, he's about to bust out a surfboard, dude. I have in, like, four oh. green bottles, uh, and they're oh mostly God. empty Mountain Dew bottles. But uh, this uh, the last one I'm, I, I'm on currently in between Mountain Dews is a lime cucumber Gatorade. But, you know, there's another, there's another Mountain Dew here, so it, it depends on how long this goes. I was about to be so proud of you. I was like, green juice, Nick? Organic. I was like, oh my gosh, you really transformed him. Yeah. <laughs> nope, still, Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. still the same Nick we love. Yeah, I, I mean, I got some 
Pokemon graham crackers too, so you, you have to wash it down. <laughs> Eating oh like God. a five-year-old. Is it what? Wait, hold on. What are the the Pokemons though? Is it just Pikachu? Yeah, we talking? You know, it's there's Pokeballs, there's Pikachu. So like oh. they're like goldfish, but with Pikachu's. More or less, but they're graham crackers. Oh. So graham crackers. You know. Oh no, dang it! Not than even as be. good for you as uh, as those. So what are you having that's not killing you? <laughs> well, I am dedicating my drink to Dustin. I miss him. He's out sightseeing the world. He what was just in Rome. Now he's somewhere else now. Switzerland, maybe. So I am drinking Not good here. old H2O. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I thought you were going to yeah. say like some like a uh, light beer or something like that. <laughs> no, no. Similar. But maybe next time. <laughs> next episode. <laughs> All right. So on this episode, we are talking about size and if it matters. <laughs> if you want me to intro it, then this is how Good I'm caller. it. Does size matter, you guys? We're talking small events. No, it's it versus really matters large how events. you use your events. <laughs> <laughs> it's more about how big your venue is and not really how many people actually attend it. You oh, know? Boy. It's the motion of <laughs> yeah, well, motion of your event. <laughs> motion of the event. No, but so really this is a conversation titles. that we that I, I feel like I actually have um as of lately, especially coming out of the pandemic, we're talking a lot of uh companies and corporate companies ended up going more intimate, small just because of COVID you know, regulations and, and safety concerns. And so we are seeing the big ones come up and more conferences, more attendees come. So I want to know from Will and Nick, small events or team large events? Where where do we stand before we dive in? Um, well, as a vendor, I love <laughs> large events <laughs> because they have big budgets big and, you know, and there's a lot of scale to it that allows you to do some really cool, unique stuff. Um, but as an attendee, I mean, okay. Oh man. As it, oh, so, and I'm talking, thinking about corporate events too. Yes. Um, so as a corp corporate events, I think small events can be really incredible, but there's like, there's like almost a threshold where it's like, if you just don't put any effort into it at all and you just put me in like a classroom with a classroom projector, I'm not having a good time. It's not like, you know, going to be that great. But if you put like some really cool intention into it and it was really small, I think it can be just as powerful. Like, um, Reminder for me would be like ILEA Live and Global Event Forum. I don't enjoy ILEA Live itself, but I love Global Event Forum. And there was like 20 of us. And, you know, I think that production was pretty low when it came to it. But because the, the conversations were so great, the people were so curated, it ended up being a great experience. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, I'd I rather like summit. Yeah, I, I would say if you gave me the choice of saying we're going to have a national conference or we're going to do five super local meetings a year or one local meeting a year in all these different markets and one of them seeing phoenix and i don't have to travel for it i might like that way more than having to travel in for a big conference okay so will just said d all of the above apparently <laughs> from <laughs> different perspectives yeah i don't know, I know i'm all over the place when it comes to that and it and i'll have the Classic Brandt answer. It depends too. But uh, Nick, what Ugh. what are you team big yeah, or team small? Yeah, <laughs> I'm generally I'm generally in that brand camp too. I mean, like the, the correct answer is uh, you have to look at your your organizing principle of your event, and you have to be able to uh, have the event be the scale uh, that it can be uh, that optimizes that and doesn't have you water it down. So what I see when I mostly see large scale events are um, a kind of, um, 
a bunch of capitulations that are made in order to appease the masses and like that's why it's done the goal is a large event the goal is increasing ticket sale the goal isn't to create the best event if you can have if you create the best event and that, that's your goal of like what the experience optimizes at and you're willing to sell as many tickets but no more uh then do that that's the right place to be but I, as a, as opposed to saying like let's tack on a bunch of other things so we can get whole other demographics of people and whole other groups of people to come into this as well uh, meaning like, for instance, like it's an, uh, an IT summit and it's like, well, what if we had this, you know, added this stuff to it and all of a sudden we can get marketers too. It's like, well, you've just watered down what your goal is, right? You've just, yeah. you've done it from the design of, uh, let's, ex the number one goal is ticket sales. The number one goal isn't about the experience. So that's when, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it when you see it. And I think that's what Will was trying to say basically was that it when it feels right, it's right. And when it doesn't, it doesn't. And you know that because um, the goal has been about optimization of the uh, attendees time uh, mm. it, as opposed to the state, the, the external or internal stakeholders. You know, let's let's get a cattle call in here. That's the most amount of sponsors as opposed to saying let's bring the right people in front of it. Like as a sponsor, I think that's what drives a lot of this stuff is, especially if there's any kind of like exhibition element of it uh, or sponsorship impressions. If you really get down to it, what they care about is closing. They care about conversion. They don't care about how many eyeballs are on things. So if you do a pure show uh, and you have smaller numbers, but again, I, I, not to say, I'm not saying smaller numbers are the answer or bigger numbers are the answer. I'm saying, the the right people are the answer and when the experience mm -hmm. starts to feel burdened then you know it's it's too many people or or too less so that that's kind of like the that's my it depends my real like you know if i just shoot from the hip it's i like uh i like a smaller event mostly because it can be extremely niche for me like i'm not as into broad stuff right like i'm i'm pretty hyper focused and i'd rather go to more than one event uh around topics that are very specific that I know what I'm there to do. I know I'm what I'm there to come away with. If I go to like a, a PCMA's convening leaders, I'm going there to get all anything that has anything to do with conferences, but I'm not going there necessarily as for like conference marketing or if it was uh, conference, um, you know, experience design, right? Like there's tracks for everything. And I'd rather those tracks be shows where I know that my time is 100% spent on things that matter specifically to me and not things that don't. Yeah. I was going to add into your thought process of the, the, you bring up this important the idea of nicheification. Like, I think that's really freaking powerful today. It's like going smaller and going more niche rather than trying to go larger and catch all. I, I saw it in a couple of my clients, like especially a lot of like media publications for smart and doing this, realizing they started getting more and more different types of audiences. Like, okay, let's start to like niche this down in a lot of ways. I think there's a huge opportunity for that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the thought leaders get to be more specific. The sponsorship gets to be better you don't need as many uh and the thing i like a lot about it is the fact that it it allows um more variety of what's there in smaller events like in bigger events you have to have people that are like well this person's good but they don't appeal to the 101 or this person's this but they're not they're too young or too old or, or whatever else if you have really specific shows 
uh, then you get to be able to have much more like diverse um, stars, you know, like you, you get mm -hmm. to, you don't have to worry about having everything sort of be in the middle. Uh, and you can also take some risks, I think, because that's the one thing that is like the scariest word, I think, to uh, anyone who's designing events is the idea of risk. But without risk, you don't really create anything new. And mm -hmm. you can have a smaller event with with not all your eggs in one basket, and you can swing for the fences. Joey, what do you what do you think? Small or big? I would say, I actually would lean towards small. From ex um, <laughs> <it's> so funny. <laughs> uh, well, no, because <laughs> you're I the one who said it's up. I wasn't even thinking about that oh. analogy going in the recording. This so like yeah, that's all your fault, by the way. <laughs> In my personal life, big. In my professional life, small. <laughs> oh, gosh. Only, only because when I think about it, I actually think of it from a even like a social media standpoint. I can have more reach when it comes to whatever announcing something on social media, where genuine, true connections happen is those more one-on-ones. It's those more intimate opportunities to sit and be able to connect with someone and. Obviously, I would have to come in from a designing standpoint and say, well, what are the objectives? You know, that's going to also play into attendees numbers and then also what things need to be intentional and focused on to those details. I was just at the NACE conference speaking in Orlando this uh, past couple weeks and it was amazing. I had it was a smaller group uh, of attendees than their previous years by like hundreds and hundreds. And I, it was my first conference I've ever attended with that group. And it was incredible to see every single session, like full house, you know, like every seat was basically taken. If that felt really nice from a speaker standpoint, um, there was way more opportunities to engage and to really learn about them. Like at networking events one-on-one, -on -one, whereas sometimes these really large events if it's not if there's not enough opportunities to kind of like select and and go you can kind of, you can just feel like herding sheep right and you don't want to feel that as a attendee feeling like oh okay i'm just another number or you know um there's just so many people that mm, they weren't able to truly know what i like and what and how this program was all designed and so I think I, if I had to choose, I would choose this like right now, I'd probably choose a bunch of smaller events and opportunities mm. to connect with different people versus one really, really big one where I'm putting all my eggs in the basket and, you know, going hard in that sense. And I feel like also from a designing standpoint, designing, uh, actually, no, I kind of like them both. But again, it's just a bit, I think it would, I would say, like getting that return on investment, I think it's more achievable with smaller ones where you kind of get to know your audience versus a huge one where then you're thinking about, um, I should say the wrong things, but you got to go always back to what are the objectives of this, you know, versus like, oh, well, this sponsor isn't happy or this stakeholder, whatever the case may be. Mm. I'll, I'll add in too about budget, right? Budget being like such a big concern of everybody's right now. And I think we'll never go away. Like mm -hmm. everyone's always going to be concerned. Do I have enough budget? What's in the budget and that sort of thing. And, you know, the problem when you get to a large event is every choice you make has a large budget consequence, right? 
if you decide that you want to go, you know, like if your food menu was not green and you wanted to make it green, huge expense because it's times a thousand people, right? Um, if you decide that, you know, you want to uh, adopt RFID tracking on attendees, it's very expensive to do that for a thousand plus people, right? Um, there are some costs, I think, that do have economies of scale, though. You know, there's some that like, you know, a speaker, for example, like, you know, for example, uh, we were talking, I was talking to Mark Killens over at Air Meet, we were talking about how uh, HubSpot has Barack Obama, right? Barack Obama is going to charge you $1.5 million, whether it's 10 people or whether yep. it's 4,000 people in the room. Like, it, that's what's it going to be. And there's an economy of scale of like, you know, doing that sort of thing. However, like, and, and I'll say like too, as a speaker, no one comes to me and is like, okay, we only have 200 people. We'll ask Will for less money or something like that, right? But there is some cost, I think, that do drive down. And if you're really concerned about budget right now, like I think that to the point of like that you can make more mistakes, you can do smaller, more intimate things. I feel like smaller allows you to kind of also try things out. Like if you're really concerned right now, like I want to go hybrid for my next event, but I don't have budget, well, maybe consider making your event smaller, more intimate, maybe like potentially even capping a number of ticket sales that you have to make it more in demand that's coming on in and try hybrid at that scale and before you do the big one. Um, and I think that like as much as, you know, we are moving away from the pandemic and time for experimentation at this point, I think like if you're not experimenting and trying different stuff, you might, you might, your event might die in the next three or four years because you're just not able to, to completely keep up with the times and try different things. And the problem is if you've gone too big, you know, yeah, you're like, it's, it's, it's lock and chain. It's the same concept behind uh, why big businesses sometimes are so slow is because they, there's so much organizational change and things that have to have happen. That can, I think sometimes happen to events as well. I feel like I want to devil's advocate this stuff. I don't even know if I have the answer, but I feel like because we're so unified in this idea that like intimate niche events create a lot of attendee value, we should explore what larger uh, events um, do for us like or do for uh, organizations because uh, they're popular, right? And it's it's obviously, and not only are they popular, um, there are certain institutions that would have to have a really strong case to um, to not to do what they're doing. Like for instance, a, uh, a consumer electronics show, for that to, um, to not be at that scale, like if you were to say like, hey, this is too big, uh, it'd be a better experience if it was smaller, they, they would say, yeah, well, no. Um, so why would they say that? So my, my thoughts are like, I think that we're going to get um, the, what you said as far as the economy of scale for speakers. I think that's a thing too, uh, for sure. I think that certain in certain cases, especially B2C, um, they are looking for maximum number of impressions um, for what they have. Like, for instance, a, a San Diego Comic-Con. Is that as big mm -hmm. of a show if you quarter it um, with the sponsors looking to make a big splash within a really broad spectrum of people and use that as kind of a R&D to determine if their uh, entertainment products are, are commercially viable or at to what scale or is okay, a press so thing? So that's a great point. I think that's such a great point. Like there are some cases where having more people equals more impressions too. I think one of the challenges, and maybe I'll give you a chance to come up with another example, is San Diego Comic Con has an issue too that their own their location like locked in too, right? So like one of the big challenges 
with San Diego Comic Con is that you can't like where I see small being great is that you can then play the regional play too. You know, yep. for example, it would be like as if they're uh, to use a similar event, PAX. Uh, PAX, there's PAX East, PAX West. I think there's a PAX Central at some point. It probably doesn't exist anymore. But like, let's say it was just PAX and it's like the equivalent of San Diego Comic Con. It was a quarter million people, huge. Then they decided, hey, let's go smaller and let's do PAX West, PAX East. I feel like that might be successful. They did do too, that. So. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There they was just that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm thinking like, I wonder if that's a potential solution too. I'm also wondering if San Diego Comic Con's issue with lack of housing because they basically are like capacity. They literally just like people. I slept on the floor yep. to attend San Diego Comic Con, like you know when I was in college, and maybe years ago. Um, and so I'm wondering too, like, would deciding to do it twice a year also spread out their audience and make it smaller but then solve the housing issue but to your point you don't get the immediate like one time wouldn't be san diego comic-con then though so it it, so it's funny like that event maybe that's maybe there's other events like that and and i think they're only b2c san diego san diego comic-con is as much about not the people who are attending the event as it is about the people who are so that event is kind of a, a a cultural like lightning rod that there. I mean, uh, for ten years, TV Guide, a magazine that published what was on TV, uh, would do a San Diego Comic Con edition, and they would tell you about all the things happening in San Diego, San Diego Comic Con, because that was this um, very specific moment uh, for press releases and for exposure, and in in the same way that. Uh, in Vegas, uh, you, you'll get the same thing for for consumer electronics, uh, and these are like, and maybe maybe these are outliers, right? Maybe maybe that's the case, but, th- but maybe not though. Like, I, I'll, I'll give you a smaller industry, in a, a much tinier industry, the events industry. When people publish things, they publish it around IMEX. People bring mergers. I mean, how many times have we been in the halls of? Uh, you know, IMAX and heard that this company bought this company or this mm-hmm. is now being released. Like that's a small industry in comparison to motion pictures or, you know, television or whatever. And it mm-hmm. still uses that lightning rod. This is happening once. This is when the majority of the community's eyeballs are on this for impression style metrics. So, um, so then I'll awareness, challenge you, I'll, I'll challenge you again then. But does that create an issue where there's just so much noise all at once and noise like so many announcements happening all at once that stuff gets lost in the shuffle? So like Maybe. that's almost where you see like things like, for example, uh, Bizbo decided to do their event experience thing off site. Um, that might be a weird example. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's like uh, but it was still know, in people... conjunction with the show. Like they could have had it the week before. Yeah, true. Or Let's three say, months like, before they just, that. Yeah, like, he decided still... to do like the week before or something like that too. I wonder if like that is a potentially better success. And I and I haven't done enough a b testing with my own clients to know that answer but like it almost makes me think too like you know is centering all your press releases around one single event just you get lost in the shuffle it's almost the reason why like disney for example now does everything on d23 which then they decided to do it again this year at san diego comic-con anyways but that's from nick Tui and i to nerd out on later <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i'm looking at all these uh comic cons uh that are coming back at at exceeding 2019 numbers as an example of of where um, the market is in the B2C realm uh, as uh, like tens and, and hundreds of thousands of attendees or even Lollapalooza, which is not maybe it's a, maybe too far out from this as an example, uh, as a festival experience that had, you know, 300 and what, 85,000 people last year. Um, like it seems like those I, I would say I, I actually I want to I want to separate sports 
and uh, festivals and music for that. I guess I'm going to, I'm going to separate those. I think that those are one of the very few instances where the volume of people actually is like one of the players of the experience, like where the mass amount of people is, is an aspect of the experience that is intrinsic to that experience where I've seen a, the same band play in a stadium and I've seen the same band playing in an intimate stadium and they're different experiences. And I go into it with different expectations mm -hmm. and those are by design, right? Like you two has a, uh, a show in a stadium by design, very much. So it, it feeds mm -hmm. off the crowd. The crowd is a, the, the, the scale of the crowd is a participant within the design. Uh, so that those are probably somewhat different. I don't know if that's nearly the case of like that when it comes to the halls of a, uh, a keynote speaker, maybe. Well, that's a good point too, that like there's, I think that, you know, you're right to leave music kind of out of it, but it's also uses an analogy. Like I hear people all the time say that like, I won't go see XYZ artist in an arena, but I'll go see them in like a small intimate venue I'm like or that. whatever it is. Certain, you certain know? bands. But, and, but the thing is like with corporate events, we just say, oh, we have our one annual conference. There's no small, or it's like web, it's like now it's going to become webinars and then our large scale conference and that's it. I Versus agree. like, you know, like mm -hmm. trying to treat it like a year long schedule. I just is feel it like content just, or is it an experience? Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I just feel like there's so many opportunities that you end up missing when it comes to large. Like, I feel like large events, are, it's like the, the cheesecake factory menu, right? <laughs> okay, like, great, you only great, get to really great experience. Example. <laughs> it's great a lot, example. right? But And, and so, it's all mediocre. No one's like, <laughs> the, the cheesecake factory is ha, has the world's best blank. No, they have the world's largest menu. Yeah. You know, like Walmart will sell you bullets, a a bowl uh, with live fish in it. Uh, they will sell you, uh, you graham know, crackers uh, with uh, Pokemon characters on it. On it. Absolutely. Do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> basically, Walmart will send me everything that's in my house. <laughs> Did uh, I just say Nick is the equivalent of Walmart? What? <laughs> uh, yeah. But do you guys see what I'm saying? Like, just like. Yeah. Yeah. Here's all the yeah. opportunities. I mean, there's such a big range a because analogy. like when we talk about IMAX, yes. And we even announced our podcast during IMAX too. You yeah. Know, back, what, 2019? And yeah. so, I mean, I see the benefits of that. And if I had to choose one conference, like the whole year, that would be the one I would choose because there's so much opportunities there. Yeah. If mm. I also had the option of a scalable, like I think of smart meetings, um, like they're hosted mm. by our programs where it's smaller in certain destinations, but you got, I got, I feel like I'm more connected with the supplier partners that way because when I run into them at lunch or in the hallway in between breaks, like I actually get to talk to them. Whereas the bigger conferences, I'm like, hi, bye. Like, yes, let's definitely hang out and talk, but like there's nowhere in my agenda, maybe 3 a.m. at the, at the lobby bar if you want to chit chat, you know, but I also need to be up for six because I need to do the, all that it, it, it can be a lot yeah. it's just how you can utilize it and i think especially coming out of the pandemic and i've said this before like if i'm a hundred percent normally at like being an extrovert and working the room i'm 70 percent now i get so much like i get tired i get drained more um quicker than what i normally would be used to in a social setting and so i feel like with these smaller events it's it's not such a big mm -hmm. shock to people because we're professionals like we can this is what we do for a living but for those that when i think about the attendees especially 
in like the tech world or, you know, we just, our lifestyle has changed. A big majority of us who didn't work remote before or whatever the case may be, it's just looks differently now. So how can we shift that perspective? So it's beneficial. That's a good point. I, the remote gonna... part's interesting. Do you, do you, well, think about your team. Are the majority of them work, I mean, uh, from home? Uh, yeah, everybody has, yeah. So when they experience a live event, do you feel as though uh, they would flourish in an environment with 200 people better than they would 2,000? Just think about just them I think, like, if I put my, like, empathy hat on for probably people who are more, like, introverted, like, mm -hmm. introverts are going to have a lot easier time attending an event that's, hey, come join 200 people. But you tell them come to, like, you know, like, it'd be, like, the equivalent of, like – someone's first edm concert right like mm -hmm. would you tell them to come to edc which is like three hundred thousand people also crazy hours and things like that or would you be like hey come to your first like watch like excision at like for a thousand people in this small local venue or whatever it may be like uh i'm wondering if dip your toes in the water probably dip your first, toes right? in the water in a lot of no, ways no i actually no i kind of would say Deep the culture all. of edc it's all about is all about connecting and you know yeah like, yeah, yeah and yeah. so it's well just... i'm, I'm kind of like keeping like blinders on to compare oh, like, yeah, just scale the scale yeah, like you okay. tell people like oh yeah come come this the, the i think the difference is that like obviously i'm talking about an, an act um like who travels mm -hmm. versus like you know they don't really plan out that they're like you i mean i guess you kind of do like excision for example he has like a very very interesting style that like he not only is like touring at all the big festivals he's doing his own individual concerts but then he's also putting on his own festivals as well and they're almost like you know chances for you to scale up so you can like see exhibition locally you see him at a local show then you can be like i'm gonna go to a regional show and see him at base canyon in seattle and then you're like oh my gosh i want to see even more artists let's go to uh, edc at that at some point um on there but i might be getting this what it feels like when people are talk hearing me talk about comic cons because i'm like yeah uh, Okay, I'm trying to use context clues uh, to figure out what the hell you're talking about. But. I just feel okay. like you just got to design with intention too. Because yeah, I'm sure. It's the it. like we can say the opposite. Like the a, a a con about like a small event is also can also be a con of that big event. Just how that planner is going about curating that because there's such. I, I just always think about like educational programming, right? Sessions. If I'm coming there for to learn. And it's, I get to choose between 20 speakers in that session and I only get one and I miss out on the 19 and like everyone, there's like five people Brutal. in the room compared to, okay, I get to choose three to five sessions out of that time slot and it's pretty full. There's that synergy of everyone else that's participating in it. Like that's more quality to me. But again, yeah. like I said, that can also be implemented in larger events where it's just all about how you go about designing that and looking at it from the attendee perspective because yeah there's obviously more opportunities to network with larger events there's way more people there's more potential there but if it's curated and it's designed for the attendee to really only select one then like you're then that's not of benefit you know you, i'm missing out on thousands of networking with people yeah but like, yeah, you mostly feel like you're just you're missing out, right? You're like, uh, there's there's so much stuff, but you're the reality is is you're probably not missing out. 
those people probably are randoms and they, they aren't going to, you know, make, they're not the people you should be talking to because there's no curation. The, the thing that you said that really resonated with me with the most is when I, when I know that it doesn't work and doesn't feel right is when there's so many breakouts and I, I'm like, Oh, I think I know what this event is and that why I don't like it when they're like, there's something for everyone. I'm like, Oh, I hate this then. I, I don't want to attend <laughs> an event that there's something for everyone. I want an event that is something for me. I, I don't want your persona to be everyone. I don't want your your design to be for everyone. Uh, like, imagine this is a band that everyone would like. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like that. You know, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like it, this is made for the maximum amount. Like this, this is a you know, uh, the flavor of Mountain Dew that's made for everyone. And I'm like, I miss out on Flaming Hot then. Um, <laughs> my analogies, but, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't want a something for everyone. I want you to put some thought into it, put some design, know who I am, design it for me. And I'm going to attend the events that you've designed for me, not that you've designed for anyone with a heartbeat. And when you, when you're at an event, you're like, well, yeah, who would go to like, there's all these different people that like, why would they, why are they even in the same place? Right? Like even, mm -hmm. even to the degree of like, to take my Comic-Con thing, like I've been in a lot of Comic-Cons where they, they attach even New York Comic-Con for years. I think they still do it. They have an anime con simultaneous mm -hmm. with, with it. And I'm like, probably could be its own thing. You know, yeah. like I know there's obviously a, a fair amount of Venn diagram synergy, but um, consider like how pure and how great that event would be if it was only for those groups of people. But they're just like, oh, I can, you know, I can bring, bring more eyeballs, bring more people. And, uh, and what does it do? You know, it makes an event that would have 200,000 people have 250,000. Like, mm -hmm. is that great? Like when you see the pain points of attending those large scale events and those are large, large scale events, like the pain points are, are based around uh, the actual like it's difficult to to find time to go to the bathroom or to get through the crowds like it's bad. Yeah, that's the worst when you just overpack the agenda and then and then you feel bad because it's like I just need to go and change before this next event. But I don't have time. Yeah. But then I'm sacrificing yeah. networking. And yeah. So, I mean, I think right. that like there, there's probably a pass fail that we need to figure out. Like, I think that, that we started with the it depends. It's probably the right answer. And I think that we just mm -hmm. need to figure out what what's the parameters. Can I throw in a little uh, creative break right now? And I just thought about this where imagine if finance, this is way better. This is way better. <laughs> like think of it Clearly. like goosebumps where let's say, okay, well, we'll just pick the, the concept of like the, the five senses. Right. And we say, okay, uh, sound, there's five bands in these five areas. You get to select which entertainment you want to go. And then you, and then it carries everyone into, you know, like if you're like, oh, I'm, I'm big into rock or I'm big in the country, you get to. That's one thing that people have in common when I'm networking with people or when I'm introducing. I always try to find those those things that people other people have in common so I can connect them. And same thing, like how cool would it be if there was a dinner and it's like, here's you get five like or whatever, even three options. Or it's like this one is like a steak. This one's a seafood. And you get to go and then get, get to connect with people on that way. It's always that. It's um. I always say choose your own adventure, but like if I think about like goosebumps or I think about it like what's what's that twist? If you just I, I chose like senses for example, but you can choose anything. Like um, at K oh, not catered source. It was the Nace experience. They had a room. One of their which is so creative. Their uh, keynote se session was so interactive. It was all about colors. So it was like meeting planners went to the red zone and it's like all red couches and there was like green hmm. and yellow and there was all these interactive just it was so I, I thought it was a really creative way versus having people just sit and like 
be talked at. And so as you go through, if this, you know, if you're a planner listening, definitely carry and just always look at it from the attendees point of view, because I'm just sick of people just going through by a template. Like, I don't know about you, because we've, we've been to so many things that we can just tell right away. Maybe not so much, you know, like a newbie coming into the industry that's like wide eyed. But if you're attending these so differently. IMAX, I'll just go back to that. This year, the theme is in sustainability. I don't know if you guys have read that. It's a, it, um, There was an article, I want to say North Star put it out, but I thought that was like brilliant. Like, oh, okay, here, this will be really interesting and more enticing than from a experience side. All right, we'll go talk about finances. <laughs> for everybody Ching. who's wanting to talk about budget and stuff like that, yeah, that's a great, I love the creative ideas for sure though. Like I can, I love that stuff. Um, I was just going to add one more point potentially for, for small events. And obviously it depends again, because there's tons of ways to do this, but like, I feel like with small events too, the ability to risk is lower. So like, that's a big concern right now. Nick, you said is like, how can we reduce risk? That's like a big concern of planners. Like in a small event, if we can find a way to make it so, hey, we can test hybrid out. We can test this new RFID technology. Like your risk of doing it is so low, much lower than investing it all your chips on one uh, thing too. So I think that's one way to think about when it comes to if you're deciding to do smaller, more regional events or more events, but smaller rather than one large event is that like you have this ability to risk things a little bit easier than, you know, again, all your chips in one basket. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, that's a big part of the, all of this is um, if you're going to if, if you're looking to grow and you're looking to create experiences that are memorable, it's very difficult to do that based on the same. Uh, even if you're like, I don't know, I've always done a large event to do it over and over again and expect different results. I also think there's one element we haven't brought up, which I think is worth saying because we've brought it up a million times is the stress factor on um planners i think it is exacerbated by the fact that they do put all their eggs in one basket uh that that their event passes or fails and their whole year depends on that if you have multiple events and you can you know segment your uh you know where where there's risk and like why your initial i guess probably the reason that you're scared of risk is because of failure is so absolute um if failure was divided by six or whatever uh, it wouldn't be failure anymore. You could actually do it like technology looks at failure, where it's an opportunity to learn and grow and to get better and apply things. The tech industry is probably the furthest away from the events industry when it comes to their position around the word failure. It, it's like, I think I've said this before, it's like every 10 TED Talks from a technology company is the, the wide failure is great. Uh, it's it's a cliche. And in the events industry, it's the biggest thing. I mean, it's the reason that they're on that most stressful list. Uh, and I think that's a, a, something that we should look at as well is could we make our lives more sustainable by making all our events smaller uh, and uh, being able to not have to stress out about this event being like their annual, their big year. I mean, think about the decompression that takes place after an annual event, you know, for people who are working on this internally and how they're just like fried, how they got nothing left, how they almost always take off a week or two after that. Like that's not a sustainable behavior. Like that's that's a sprint. And or actually, that's more of a marathon and, and that there's the sprint possibility of you being able to do these off and on. And you would probably be more healthy if you were doing it in a, in a sustainable manner 
Uh, so yes. that's another element besides profitability, b- besides scale, besides experience design. We have to think about what's good for us. And and, and frankly, mm-hmm. it's probably good for our um, attendees as well because they're not – I mean, think about it. Like how many people have to come back and how many – tell me all the things you learned. Tell me how many business cards you brought back. How many leads did you do? All those things that all make and break, all their investments on one day, investment of time, investment of money. If it was spread out, you know, like they, they wouldn't have that much. They'd be able to ask better questions. They'd have to feel more relaxed. It would be better for everyone. That is a great note to end on, Nick Borelli. Boom. <laughs> All right. Well, of course, we want to know from our audience members, what do you think? What team are you on? Are you all about those smaller, more intimate, more potentially sustainable for our career? Uh, opportunities are are you like gun ho one large one that's that's the way or i'm sure you know it's a d all of the above and so well it, <laughs> email us at event brew is it big or is it d that's the question right is that an episode <laughs> <laughs> or you can use hashtag event brew um we are of course all about having opening up the conversation and seeing what what other opinions are out there through experience, both as you know, a supplier, as a planner, from just different perspectives, even as an attendee. And other than that, I want to thank you both, Will, Nick, oh, thanks to not me. thank Dustin for... Don't thank you, Dustin. Yeah, don't <laughs> thank you, Dustin. <laughs> and until then, we will see you on the next episode of Event Brew. Bye. 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 Boy, boy, boy. Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head over to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or tell us what topics you want to hear covered. See you next time on Event Brew.